501 Crossroads is your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, President and CEO of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the, and the mission. My fabulous co-host, Natalie Jablonski, the nonprofit ninja, is here. That's right, Marjorie, specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. Hey, Natalie. Hey, Marjorie. I got to ask you, who doesn't love New Kids on the Block? I don't know. They were like my absolute total favorite. I had a Jordan sleeping bag. It was so fantastic. Did you really? Did, did. you have the posters on your wall? No, the sleeping bag was where my parents drew the line. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just like that popular boy band song, being the new kids on the block when it comes to joining a nonprofit organization for the first time can leave you hanging tough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know we've been around the nonprofit block a time or two. We won't say how long, Mm-mm. but um, I thought it'd be nice for our listeners to relate how others go through this experience for the first time. So I'm excited because today we have longtime listener and dare I say, 501 Crossroads fan. Yay. Uh, she here to our show today. Kimberly Ritchie recently joined the nonprofit Marion Medical Mission, and she is now here to remind us about the challenges of being the new kid on the nonprofit block. But before we go there, Kimberly, why don't you tell us a little bit about your back uh, your background and this inform- this really this adventure that you've mm-hmm. undertaken? Right. Well, thanks, ladies, for having me. I am excited. I've been a fan. This is one of the things I've done to learn how to do the nonprofit gig, and I've been Aww, having a good time. Yay. So my background, I was a high school English teacher for 16 years, and then about 11 years ago, I left that to run my cosmetic business full-time, and that's been a whole lot of fun. And then out of the blue came this new opportunity to work with Marion Medical Mission, and I'm just having a blast. So I'm their director of development, and I'm helping them work with their donors and build a presence in this area. Wow. And you said high school. They don't have a lot of high school classes on fundraising 101. No, pretty much none. Nonprofit <laughs> management. You can do it too. Except that every event we did in high, you know, every group that I chaperoned, every non, you know, extracurricular, we had to fundraise for all of those. So maybe a little bit of background and then, you know, moving on into running that my is own business. That's a is, great point because so often I hear people who say, oh, fundraising, it's a new career, it's a new concept. Mm-hmm. Think of this has been going on for years. Mm-hmm. We just didn't think of it as a profession, perhaps. But think about 4-H clubs back in you know the days, and all the way back to Girl Scouts. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we all uh, and I'm sure there's even probably a few religious groups that can mm-hmm. reference back to their churches and such that you know this was a big part of their life. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. well, welcome uh, to taking the first steps down that uh, that new kid on the block. And mm-hmm. I think there's probably a lot of our listeners, Marjorie, that are really excited to have someone justify how they feel. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like that Natalie Marjorie. They they know things because they've been around, you know, yeah. for a time or two. We'll just say again. Uh, so it's nice to have someone new. So first, tell us, where did you discover your nonprofit opportunity? Well, it kind of discovered me. I have been. I love that when that happens. I've been a supporter of Marion Medical Mission since I was in junior high. The founder was my junior high Sunday school teacher. Tom Logan is an amazing man. And so he started going to Africa and building wells back in the 80s. And so it's been going on all these years. I've followed it. I've sponsored, you know, donated. I've been a supporter in a whole lot of different ways. But then this past summer, he was looking to expand his staff. And I got an email and I thought, oh, what a great opportunity for someone else. (laughs) And somehow it just kept running around in my mind and God just kept working working on me until I realized this was what I needed to do. And calling, so, if you will. It really yes. is. I really am feeling very called to, to work with them in the mission. So I've been around a long time, but I'm just officially on staff with them since August. 
Oh, neat. So now when you first took the job or were you thinking about taking the job, did you ask any of your nonprofit friends about how to do this? And was their advice any good? Or Yeah, I actually <laughs> took this gal I know that calls herself the nonprofit ninja out to lunch. By the way, I hear she is fabulous. I heard that too. And she was. So she and I had a great time uh, over lunch and I picked her brain a little bit. Got some great tips. And even still, I sometimes send her an email or a text and, hey, what about this? And I have a friend, uh, Melissa Tatero, has been awesome at Call Melissa's for Help. Great. Yeah. And so she's been a big help to me as well. So I've got lots of friends that are a few years ahead of me in this endeavor, and that's been really helpful. So what do you think uh, was your biggest adjustment to joining the nonprofit sector? And I guess the reason behind that question because it might seem big for you, but what we hear a lot is there's such a big gap between for-profit and non-profit. Uh, everything from how you dress to your behaviors to your casualness versus professionalism. And so based on what you've experienced, you've been on different sides of the tracks. What do you think has been your biggest adjustment so far? I haven't seen huge changes in a lot of those areas so much. I think the biggest challenge for me has been patience. It moves much slower. You know, in running my own business, if I want to send out a mailing, I just sit down and I make a mailing and it's out by tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. And now it's a whole new thing because it's not just me. I decide who I want to send it to, but then I have to run it past people and get that approved. And then I have to send it to the printer and then we have to wait for it to come back. And then we have to get it. It just takes so much longer to get everything done. And that's a little bit of an adjustment for me. I'm used to just running my own little one man shop and, and I'm done. <laughs> but when you're working with a bigger organization, obviously it's a, a larger time. And then I think also just the the feeling of never really being finished with oh, what I'm working yeah. on. Marjorie, can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. I mean, I, especially the first six, seven weeks, I mean, it was waking up, thinking about this in the middle of the night, going to bed, still working on things because I need to get things finished. And, and you just can't let you have to put the boundaries around it and yeah. it's even though the mission is huge and the need is great and i'm not ever going to get it all finished i still have to say okay it's you've worked long enough now put this away and let's go do something different because it could just burn you out really quickly yeah. Yeah. that is so important for our sanity because if we if we just keep working and keep working mm -hmm. and keep working yeah then we burn out and we had um when mary Valoni was on the show she yes. was talking about that and she had this three-year mm -hmm. cycle for a long time mm -hmm. and finally said, you know what, I have to look at what I'm doing mm -hmm. that's causing this mm -hmm. because it's not working for me. It's not working yeah. for my organization. Yeah. Marjorie, uh, how do you handle that that fear? You don't want to get burned out. Mm -hmm. And yet you you can probably relate as I can to what Kimberly is saying about that overwhelming sensation of all these things need to get done. So what type of techniques or tips do you do to help keep that in check? Well, let's see. I should start taking some of these right now because <laughs> we are about three weeks away from my major fundraising event. So um, I need, uh, yeah, I need some support. Um, but I, when it's not a really busy season, and by really be busy, I mean you know one of the times when we have a fundraiser coming up or we have something big that I have to do, I really try to stick to forty hours a week. And then my other big thing that I think is really important is only letting myself work past five thirty, five o'clock one or two nights a week. Um, because I feel like if I do more than that, that's when I start to see myself burning out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and when you can't be your best self, then you can't give your best self. Exactly. So, you I, know, it's like I, working I, half time when I'm sick. Which people do and it's so frustrating. Oh, I just take some time off and recoup, mm -hmm. right? I think my biggest piece is I have to see things in writing. Mm -hmm. And if I have a bunch of thoughts in my head, I have to put them on paper 
so they don't feel so daunting. So mm-hmm. I have found Lister, my friend. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a huge fan, of course, of checking things off the list. I think I've referenced that before. But what I will do is on Friday, instead of taking all that home, I will take my list that I have now scratched through throughout the week, and I will start a new, fresh, beautiful, crisp <laughs> piece of paper, mm-hmm. and I will transfer anything that needs to be transferred. I will acknowledge all the things that have been scratched off. And granted, some weeks, there's only like two things scratched off. But I acknowledge that those were scratched off and kind of celebrate. And I throw that piece of paper in the trash or the shredder, depending on the sensitivity. And Mm -hmm. I know when I come in on Monday, there is a fresh list for me, which is kind of a little motivational for someone like me (laughs) to come in on Monday. Uh, A cup of coffee and a fresh list. But I think that it also helps me to really uh, just put things in paper and to know that next week, is a new week. And I acknowledge that over the weekend. Digital tip. There's a great app called Wonderlist and Wonder spelled with a U. And it's really nice because you can either see the things that are crossed off or not see the things that are crossed oh, off. Oh, so if it drives you crazy to see those types of things. Yeah, which mm-hmm. it does for me because I, I try to put everything onto a list sometimes and then nothing gets onto a list. So mm. that's sometimes I put things on the list after I've done them just so I can cross them off. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit that. So, Kim, have you found any techniques that have helped you to balance this as you're going through as the new as the new kid? Both of you guys had great ideas, and that's been a big part. I also think that I've tried really hard to kind of protect, like to take the time off, but protect who I'm spending time with mm-hmm. and kind of protect my attitude. Because mm-hmm. I found in searching for how do I learn about this, there were several groups on Facebook that were all nonprofits, and some of them were great. And some of them were just whiners about, oh, my job is so terrible. And I'm, <laughs> and, and when I spend time in that energy, then that just drains me. And I was like, I can't do this. So unfollow, unfollow, <laughs> unjoin and this sort of thing. And that was really a big moment when I was like, I don't have to listen to every voice that wants to give me advice here. That's well, we kudos call to the you. bad ones, but what's your favorite one? Uh, the 503 crossword. Yours is fantastic. But, uh, and I can't honestly remember the name of the other one. I'll give it to you and put it in the notes awesome. later if you want to, because yeah. there are some good ones out there. Yep, cool. absolutely. So let's talk about some pit stops you may have had along this journey. So uh, keeping yourself focused, but also keeping yourself motivated, because going back to your reference before about feeling a little overwhelmed, mm-hmm. uh, you, you've got to reward yourself. And mm-hmm. and you're in a unique situation, I believe, with your role where you're not in the office day to day with your staff members, right? Right. right. So I work from home most of the time. How do you continue to stay motivated in an environment where you can't just rely on your other staff members mm-hmm. to... Honestly, the mission is what motivates me when I'm starting to get, it almost always just happens without me doing it. But I I take a second, I glance at Facebook and here's a picture of one of our children in Africa with just absolute joy on their face. And I think, oh, he's the one I'm working for. This little girl is the one that I'm working for. So they have fresh water and they can grow up. That is really what calls me to do this. And, um, it's just I start to get tired and frustrated that somebody's not calling me back. And then I think, oh, really? <laughs> Your life is so easy compared to these people you're working to help. Get over it, Richie. It's okay. And that really does motivate me a whole lot. I'm just still motivated by the mission that we're working on. So I have the privilege, and I know Marjorie does as well, of working in an office. And I have the ability to work from home if I want to. Uh, Marjorie, do you have? Do you take advantage of that? I try to avoid it because I do not work well from home. I don't either, which is exactly where I was going. So yeah. how 
do you stay focused? Like give us tips. We'd like to learn from you. So that's one of the things that I think I learned working from home in my Mary Kay business for the last 11 mm-hmm. years. Um, it is absolutely, my office is just like an office here. I, I mean, it's messier than here, <laughs> <laughs> but it has cats and a dog. But when I go into my office, I'm not worried about the dishes that need to be cleaned or the the laundry that needs to be switched out. I don't do that stuff through the day. I'm working. And it took a while for my hubby to get used to that idea too. He's like, you were home all day. I know, but I was working just mm-hmm. like you were. So I put the boundaries around that and then lists. I'm very focused on lists also. The six most important things that I have to get done. And, and if I'm lucky enough to get those all checked off, then I make a new six most important <laughs> things list. But that really does keep me very focused. And, and it's one of those things, it's very much a skill that you learn as you do do it more often. And since my office has only been at the house for a long time, you have to, or you just can't yeah. survive. Yeah. I think that's my problem. I get the, Ooh, laundry. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh there's grapes. I could pluck those and have those for a snack this afternoon. So I'm going to go ahead and do that now. And yeah. Oh, and by the way, that window really is dirty. So I'm going to let the dogs out and then clean that. And then next thing you know, I've burnt it's an hour two hours and you haven't got anything done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think that, uh, it just tends to be a luxury whenever I'm at home that, I get distracted really easily. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But good tips though. Yeah. So, so what was your first like real big challenge and how did you approach that? Um, I guess I was really naive when I started this that because it's a Christian based organization, I thought, well, I'll just call the churches and tell them about this wonderful opportunity to support us. And they're just going to be so excited. They'll be dying to get together with me. Uh, you can imagine that that isn't exactly <laughs> what happened. Uh, the churches are very overwhelmed with lots of great opportunities and a million other things that they have to do. And so they weren't real excited to talk to me. I was basically cold calling and I hated doing that in my business. And yet, I expected different results, cold calling organizations and churches. And so that was a, a kind of, it took me a little bit to kind of get past that. But I just sort of stepped back and thought, okay, so if this isn't working, <laughs> what will? And I went back again to my business and I built my business by talking to a friend. And then who do you know? And who do you know? And who do you know? So I just kind of went to my friends. And so where do you go to church and who do you know there and who could I talk to? And so using my network to get to talk to the people I needed to talk to has been much more effective. But again, I've had to be much more patient because it does take a lot longer working in organizations than working myself. Right. If it's just me and you, we can get things done a whole lot faster than Absolutely. if we have committees and boards and all those things that take a lot more time. Yeah, That's but, a good tip for our listeners too, because I think when we start in a new role, the excitement we have, especially in a nonprofit, we're overjoyed to be there. We get mm-hmm. over overexcited about the mission and we may not see those obstacles right away. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's okay to acknowledge that there's obstacles and to not say, oh my gosh, now there's this big you know, tree in my way. How will I ever mm-hmm. you know, get around it? And taking a step back helped you to be able to look around yeah. and see other options. Well, and I really wanted to to dive in and just prove that I knew a little bit about what I was doing. And all of a sudden, I was like, I don't feel like I have any clue what I'm doing. <laughs> and so it was really, it was exciting when it finally started to pay off and, you know, the other options started to come together because there was a little more. Hmm, maybe it's going to be okay. <laughs> some of those chat rooms and groups where nonprofits get together, I often see some tongue in cheek comments about, I had no idea that in this role, I would also be doing this oh, and yeah. the, all sorts of fun things that have come up with. What's uh, a set, a skill set that maybe you didn't know you had, but this uh, nonprofit adventure has really brought that out in you. 
well, lots of putting labels on envelopes and sticking the envelopes. <laughs> Such in the a glamorous work. Exactly. I don't know that that's a skill set. It's just like you said, glamorous work sitting on the floor and labeling one envelope after another as I'm doing a mailing. But I really think that maybe my skill that I've been working on is to listen a little bit more. You know, as a teacher, you're in charge of the classroom and you talk all the time. And then in my business, I've been in charge of my unit and my customers to an extent. And I talk all the time. And I think what I'm learning is that I need to be quiet and listen a little <laughs> bit um, to my mentors that are helping me, to those that I'm working with and the, the executive director and the, the founder and all that kind of stuff. But even just kind of on a spiritual level of listening to the ideas instead of being working all the time. Sometimes you have to just be quiet and listen to that still small voice and the whispers. That's been where some of my best ideas have come from so far. Absolutely. So kind of going into cruise control, when do you feel like maybe, okay, I've got the hang of this? I don't, I'm asking you guys that question. When am I going to feel like I've got the hang of this? I mean, I've done several things that, that I feel like I've got the hang when that comes around again. I'll, I'll have good ideas how to do it the next time. But Every day is different. Mm -hmm. And and that's part of what I'm enjoying about this is that it's something new all the time. But I haven't yet started to feel like I really got my sea legs too much because it is something new all the mm -hmm. time. Yeah. So I think that's perfectly normal for someone who's joining a new career, especially someone mm -hmm. who's in a new nonprofit. I think a lot of our listeners can probably relate to that feeling of uncertainty and not quite feeling settled and Six months later, still telling people I have a new job, but it's been six months. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been guilty of that as mm -hmm. charged. Uh, for me, I think that the moment I felt like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm figuring this out. Like, uh, was probably after my one year because through a one year cycle, I feel like I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly first, firsthand, mm -hmm. whether that be the events or the annual appeal or at least meeting with all the top donors. I'm starting to understand how my board works and the board chemistry and the staff chemistry. And although I don't think I would be comfortable in saying I threw it on cruise control after a year, I definitely feel like it's the opportunity that I can put it on a um, a controlled cruise control, if that makes sense. Like <laughs> I have the ability to turn it off at any time, but maybe I can coast a little bit in this section so I can focus on some new things. Mm -hmm. What about you, Marjorie? I never feel like I have it all under control. <laughs> um, I feel like. Um, I feel like so it's a lot of a lot of it's situational. So like there's there's some things that I I start to feel really comfortable in, and honestly, when I start to feel that way, I actually often start to think that it's time to change said thing. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, looking at the way that this way you don't get into the we've always done it this way because mm -hmm. you can't say that because Margie's always changing it. So, mm -hmm. um, but you know, when you look at things like, okay, my board's starting to get comfortable. Like that's probably when it's time to, to start changing people uh, if they're getting too comfortable. Um, when it's, well, I feel this, so we're getting ready for our event. So this is the 14th year. Last year was the first year I felt like we had had it together going into the event. Congratulations. So, yeah. This year I, it's because having it together as, your role in organization and having a special event together <laughs> are really comparing yeah. apples to oranges. I mean, they may both be fruit, but they are very different taste, color, mm -hmm. texture, everything else. Yeah. So good for you. We'll see. We'll see how this year goes. Not sure we have it Well, under I'm attending, so I'm going to expect perfection, <laughs> of course, and I'm sure that we'll get it. Yeah, it'll be there. February I, 17th, everybody. <laughs> I think, too, the other piece of it is feeling like you are in control and then also how you portray that to your donors and mm -hmm. your board and such. And I think that can feel some angst uh, when you're new. 
because you're trying to give the illusion of, or the mask, if you will, that everything's fine. Don't look behind the mask. I've got this. <laughs> and inside you're going, oh my gosh, what are they talking about? I have to figure that out. I have to Google that when I get home or whatever it might be. Uh, I have a, a, a ongoing joke with my team. The first six months that I started, I kept telling them, you're not allowed to panic until I panic. You're not allowed yes. to panic until I panic. When you see me panic, it's time to panic because something <laughs> is definitely wrong. Things aren't coming together. And about four months in, my marketing uh, development director looked at me and said, I have never seen you panic. I said, that is my point. <laughs> so you don't have the the right to panic yet because I'm not worried about it because at the end of the day, it falls on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. So don't go there. And now we're getting ready to approach an event that I've never went through. And funny, she turned the tables on me the other day, this, this marketing development director, because I said, I just, I'm feeling a little, I hate to say this, I'm feeling a little panicked. She goes, no, no. Now you don't get to panic until I panic because I know what I'm doing with this event. And I'm like, fair enough. I will follow you. And so it's uh, been a nice play on that as well. So what keeps you up at night? I think besides the dogs and the cat. Oh, yeah. They're pretty good at night. But so I remember that scene at the end of Schindler's List where he's going, I could have saved one more. I'm always oh. wondering, am I doing enough? I, I got the letter out. What else should I have done? And should I have made one more phone call? Should I have, should I, and what have I forgotten? And, and it all comes together. Like you said, it's really, it's going to work out fine the way it's supposed to work out at the end. But, um, I never feel like I, I never get to, it's all finished because as soon as you are almost finished, then there's another thing that pops up that needs to go on right after that. Cause it's always ongoing. There's not that closure at the end, I guess. Right. Maybe. So, and, and again, because our mission is so huge to bring fresh water to Africa, I mean, that's not an easy, we're not going to yeah. fix it a hundred percent, at least not anytime real quickly. <laughs> so it, there's always something else that we could be doing. So that's kind of what keeps me worried a little bit at night is have I done enough? Is there anything that you know now after being in this a couple months that you wish you knew before you took the job? Um, Nothing at all that would make me want to not take the job. I'm loving what I'm doing. But I would just say that the goals that I thought I had at the beginning are maybe not the most pressing goals that we thought we were going to start a legacy giving kind of program immediately. And that's what you and mm -hmm. I talked about. We weren't really ready for that. We mm -hmm. needed to build some tighter relationships with our donors. And so as we go into 2017, that is still a goal, but it's a 2017 goal. And I'm fine that I didn't finish it in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's always true that your goals are shifting and changing. And it's not that I'm giving up on a goal, just changing the date, oh, yeah. but I, the flexibility there, I mean, it's not exactly what I thought, but I'm still having a great time doing it. Awesome. So it's, yeah. it's shifting a, in a nice way. I had a colleague who used to famously or infamously, if you will say, you don't know what you don't know, mm -hmm. but once you know, you can no longer not know. Mm -hmm. And when she first said it, I said, that is the stupidest phrase I've ever heard in my life. And I could not wrap my head around it. But the more that I heard her use it in situations... Mm -hmm. I have now found I have recoined the phrase and I am using it to her credit and saying, mm -hmm. well, you know, I had a friend of mine who used to always tell me, and it really does make mm -hmm. sense. It's, mm -hmm. it's not what you don't know. It's once you know it, not claiming that you don't know. So what mm -hmm. do you do with that information? Mm -hmm. How do you use that to empower your mission and uh, how do you use it to motivate mm -hmm. you and your donors? And I think that's mm -hmm. always exciting discoveries that you find regardless of how painful maybe it is to discover them. Mm -hmm can really be uh, a big mm -hmm. impact on your mission, your organization. You know, one of my mentors has often, I've heard them say a lot, what are you pretending that you don't know? Mm, ah. It's a twist on the same kind of thing. We know what we should do sometimes and we don't always follow through on that. 
So what advice do you have for our listeners who are saying, wow, she is so new in nonprofit and I have, feel like I can really relate to her. And also how awesome is it that she's with Marjorie and Natalie on 501 Crossroads? <laughs> so they're a little jealous, right? Uh, but what would you like them to know? What kind of advice maybe would you now turn and give them? Well, I think because there isn't, like you said, there's no class in how to do what I'm doing now. I think a lot of times that we just sort of go with our gut. And I think that while there's a time for that, I think you have to learn what you need to know. And so I'm doing a lot of webinars and reading and listening to your podcast is one of my favorite things. And things that aren't necessarily on the clock part of my job, but that's the only way I feel like I'm comfortable doing what I do. The The advice and the training is out there. But like I said before, I think you have to be really careful to whom you're listening because our field is so very draining and people do get burned out. You've got to be careful that you're listening to people that have good ideas and a good attitude and Mm -hmm. not just, Oh, we're so underpaid and overworked and this (laughs) just stinks. And, and cause that's not true. I mean, I feel like I'm having a whole lot of fun and I'm, I want to stay with people who are also having fun, (laughs) but maybe who know a little bit more about what they're doing than I do. And even with that though, the things that work for one organization is not necessarily going to work for every organization because your target may be different. Yeah. Our donor base is, thank you for pointing that out. Our donor base is very different from some of the other people that I've talked to. And so things that worked with their group is not going to work as much with our group. Most of our donors still write checks and mail them in. Very tiny percentage of our donors donate online. Then when I'm reading, you know, uh, something that's talking all about emailing people thank yous, well, that doesn't work if they're not, you know, coming to me with an email address. I don't have any way to do that. Right. (laughs) So you have to be careful about who you're listening to. I have a client that is determined to start a plan giving program and they want to go, go, go. And so we had a great conversation about it in the planning. And before we even got into the the actual nuts and bolts of it, if you will, I just kind of wanted to learn more about where they were at. And what we walked away with is they're nowhere near ready to work Mm -hmm. on that. Now, can they put a few teasers and pieces and start Mm -hmm. uh, obviously being a little more active as opposed to passive? Yes. Mm -hmm. But they were comparing themselves to this other organization who've been around for years. They've been doing this for years. They've got a great constituent base. They built it up and they wanted to have all these planned gifts coming in left and right, like they saw this other organization doing. And uh, so we started comparing and contrasting. So what's your database look like compared to theirs? And and how often do your people respond with gifts of this size compared to that? And what we realized is not only were they not ready, but they needed an annual giving program mm-hmm. to be able to really get some some traction there. So mm-hmm. uh, it's great advice to be able to listen to other people and hear what they have to say. But then it's what you do with that mm-hmm. advice. And I think that's what mm-hmm. I, I hear you saying, mm-hmm. Kimberly, is your big nugget. Right. And there are times that you can take that information and table it and say, this is something I can look at a year from now, but it's not right for us right now. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. Fantastic. So let's kind of wrap this up with a couple of things um, with some just a, maybe an oops moment. So, Natalie, what was something that you did on your first couple months at the job that was a, maybe an oops, but oh. ended up being a really great lesson? Only one? Uh, I have 10, whatever. Yeah. We, got, we got three minutes. I make, I make a lot of mistakes, <laughs> and I love to learn from them. And um, I would say one of my uh, one of the oops that I've made on a nonprofit job was trusting that the staff uh, that was there and in, in active all had the same interests as mine. Mm-hmm. They were there for the right reasons, that they were engaged in the mission, that they loved their work. Uh, all those positive things, I thought, well, they're just like me, right? Because obviously I'm working here, so they're working there. And by 
I just shared those characteristics with them. Uh, and I've ran into some problems where I've had uh, some backstabbing that's taken place in larger organizations, oh, some yeah. moles that were there trying to find information because they really wanted your job, but you didn't know that. And then the politics came in and um, I've had uh, people who uh, you thought I can give them their information. And obviously they're motivated like I am and they'll do it. And they didn't. And then I had to come back and like own that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think there's something to be said about loving the people you work with and trusting the people you work with, but also um, there is a, a catchphrase I use often, which is trust in God, but lock your doors. So you kind of have to meet them halfway, right? So uh, in this case, meeting your staff halfway, trust that they're there for the same reasons you are, but also do some testing and really get to know them and learn them before you just start uh, delegating and having everybody own things. So that's probably my biggest oops that I've learned from over the years. What about you, Marjorie? So I think mine was uh, actually more of a not keeping list and not keeping myself organized. And one of my first couple, probably the first event that I really helped really make happen here, um, I left a $5,000 sponsor off the uh, off all the signage. Oops. So... Not, not good. <laughs> uh, luckily, that's hitting your stomach that happens after yeah. that. Oh. So owned up to it um, after you. a lot of panicking. And so owned up to the executive director who made me own up to it, to the sponsor. Um, <laughs> good for that guy. executive director. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, also talked to a board member who told me at the time that she did a much, 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 much worse with a much bigger sponsor. So um, it's always good to have mentors because they've, they've been through it um, and they've usually been through it worse. So um, after that, I learned um, spreadsheets for your sponsors are very important things mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. And <laughs> and great donor relations, I bet. Yes. Because uh, <laughs> did they come back as a sponsor in the future for you? Uh, no, but it wasn't because of that. It was because of a uh, corporate takeover sort of situation. Excellent. So, but you kept the relationship. So that's yeah. good. <laughs> so did not burn that bridge. Kimberly, what about you? Well, mine weren't nearly that, not, I'm not even talking big in size, but mine was more concrete. Mm-hmm. I had put together this beautiful email series of three emails to go out every five days nice. for a new, new contacts that I had just met. And of course, the sec- second and third were asking for donations. And I sent that to our entire donor list, not to the new contacts oh, that were supposed so. to receive it. That's- and I didn't realize until I went back to check the reports on the email effectiveness, but it did raise about $10,000. So, hey. you know, it was a mistake. <laughs> that a happy paid mistake. Off. That <laughs> but it wasn't mistake. my, it wasn't part of my campaign. And I was horrified that I'd sent it to the wrong people, but sometimes your mistakes work out for the best. That's fantastic, actually. That's (laughs) a wonderful mistake to have. Well, you know, Kimberly, I'm so glad you came on. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is great fun. I want to know how can people get to know more about your nonprofit and how can they learn more about you if they'd like to reach out for support? Okay, so they can find me. I am on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Kimberly Ritchie. My organization, Marion Medical Mission, is at mmmwater.org. And we are an amazing group. We've brought fresh water to over 4 million people in Africa in the last 30 years. So we're really excited about what's happening and how we're growing. I am looking for speaking opportunities around the St. Louis Metro East area. So for the local listeners, if anybody has a church or a, a group or a Bible study or a rotary or anybody that'll sit still, I'll come talk to them. A couple people in the back alley. You're ready I don't to care. I will talk to anybody who will sit still long enough because they might know somebody else that is going to be helpful for me. Well, and I've heard you speak, Kimberly. You do such a great job of Thank being you. able to bring that passion for this organization. So kudos to you and congratulations. Thank you. We're excited to have you on the block.
Thank That's you. right. Thanks, Kimberly, for joining us. And thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite app for downloading podcasts is and subscribe. Leave us some feedback so everybody else can find out about how great this show is. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes. <laughs>